What is going on guys? Welcome back to another episode. Before we get started, I would like to ask you guys if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or just rate us. It really helps us grow. It really helps us get out there to other MLS fans so they can check us out. Thank you all for your support. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. My name is David. I am by myself today as Manny and Gavin couldn't make it. But joining me today is a special guest, Franco Paniso, hopefully I pronounced the last name right, a journalist, bilingual podcast, Miami Total Football, or like he was telling me off air, Miami Total Football, if you speak Spanish. Franco, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you making time. Gracias, amigo. How are you, man? I'm, uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. I appreciate the 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 request and obviously the the invite i'm actually happy you're on uh we, we spoke a, a couple of months ago and unfortunately uh some stuff happened and we couldn't get it on but i'm glad to have you on here yeah no it's, i know we couldn't make it work right before the start of the season but uh maybe it was for the best i don't know obviously <laughs> the, the, the season stopped a couple of weeks later so um now now things are kind of as i'm sure we'll get to starting to pick up um, and you know this this Disney this tournament in Orlando seems very interesting. So plenty to touch on and talk about, especially when it comes to to Inter Miami. Yes, sir. Uh, if you can just talk, just, uh, let my listeners know a little bit of what you do. Sure. So I'm a longtime uh, soccer reporter. Uh, most of my work right now can be found on SBISoccer.com. Um, but I also have, like you said, the podcast that I started up. I have a YouTube channel at Miami Total Football as well. That I started up once I moved down here. I, I moved down here at the start of the year. I'm originally from the South Florida area, but once I finished college uh, back in 2011, a month later, I got an offer to go cover the Red Bulls in New Jersey for MLSsoccer.com. I did that for a few seasons, and then after that, uh, I moved into New York City, and then I just covered both New York City FC and the New York Red Bulls um, while I was living in Manhattan, and, and then I just started covering the league in general. I also covered the U.S. Men's National Team. Americans abroad, uh, South American soccer, the Peruvian national team. Cover I cover almost anything you think of. So, um, been doing it for a long time. Definitely something I love to do. Um, and I've freelanced in a bunch of places also along the years. So South Florida Sun Sentinel, um, ESPNFC.com, bunch of different places. So I've been at it for a while now. It's I, uh, my my boss Ives said if, if you guys are familiar with him, um, the creator of SBISoccer.com. He uh also a longtime journalist. He always busts my chops. He's like, you're not the young guy anymore. You're not the young guy anymore. So <laughs> I used to always be like the young twenty-something year old. Now I'm in my early thirties. So yeah, <laughs> time has flown by, but it's been it's been great. It's been a, a crazy crazy ride. It's been a lot of fun. But I'm happy to be back home and, and now starting to cover soccer locally uh, again. Uh, time flies by, especially uh, when you do what you love. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, it's been wild. I can't believe that I've been gone. I was gone for from my hometown for like eight years it just oh wow it went by and it went by in a blink man i started in jersey was in fairlawn for a couple of years then i went over to west new york which is still a city in new jersey for those that might be unfamiliar it's right across the river from from manhattan which is why it has the name that it does and then uh then i spent four years um in manhattan well, that's, a, that's a long time man um, i actually uh noticed you said new jersey red bulls which is pretty um <laughs> pretty yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like, in new jersey covering the red 
But if I said New Jersey Red Bulls, that was no, <laughs> no, no dig at anybody. I know that that's a sort of so. I'm and I've never, I've never really said that or made that, made that, that joke. I was, I was yeah. messing with you. I was just messing oh, wait, with hey, you. Man, I still have, <laughs> um, still have plenty of Red Bull followers on, on my on my Twitter account. So I, you know, I don't, I don't want to stir the pot there unnecessarily for them because I, I know, I know, that, I know how the, I, I've seen it firsthand. Chris Armas last year. Um, I know, I, I can, I've seen uh, how passionate and. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, how, how they can be um, when things uh, when they don't agree with something. Oh no, I'm a, I'm a DC United supporter and um, going to RFK back in the days. So I loved RFK more than Audi Field. Um, remember uh, playing the Red Bulls and the fa- the Red Bull fans just impressed me, dude. The way they travel, the way they stick together, the way they're behind their club. They're always screaming, they're always jumping, no matter what's going on. It, it's freaking unbelievable the support they have. Yeah, they get criticized a lot, um, the, the organization. I'm not speaking about the fans, but they get criticized a lot just because of the lack of support. Obviously, Red Bull Arena is not very often quite full. Mm-hmm. But the fans that do go, especially in the South Ward, are as passionate as you could probably find in MLS. Oh, yeah. You know, no. they, de- they definitely make their voices heard uh, when they like something. And, again, when they don't like something, they also make their voices heard. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, Brett, you want to talk about uh, Inter-Miami. Sure. Um, and to talk about Inter Miami, let's talk about the MLS's back tournament. Mm-hmm. The club, which um, is going to be the first team to play against uh, Orlando, it's yeah. in there with uh, New York City FC, Philadelphia Union, Chicago, Nashville. Yeah. First, your first thoughts on the group once we saw it, and if you can explain a little bit to our listeners why there are so many teams in the group one. Yeah, so um, obviously I'll, I'll touch on the second part first. Uh, I, there's six teams in this group because, as you know, um, MLS has 26 teams currently, so they couldn't make evenly balanced groups like you would normally see in tournaments like this. You know, x amount of t- uh, x amount of groups of four teams. So they did. They decided for whatever reasons they decided that they would have five groups of four and one group uh of six and obviously that kind of makes it a little more tricky because not every team will play each other under this mls's back tournament structure sorry did i say no sorry so it's five teams of i'm sorry five groups of four no that's what i said okay sorry 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 i got my i was getting my numbers confused i don't don't, don't want to mislead uh (laughs) mislead the, the the listeners um so yeah so with with this six team group in Group A, not every team will play each other because of the, the the agreement that was made between MLS and the MLS Players Union. There's only three group stage games per team. So, for instance, Miami will only play three teams, and Miami will not play uh, the other two teams in its group, which makes it interesting because, or kind of an unknown, because you're not entirely in control of your own destiny. You know, you could win two games out of the three. And then you obviously are still subject to whatever help, whatever else happens in the group. A team that you didn't play could have the same record as you, or um, and could just leapfrog over you based on different tiebreakers and whatnot. So uh, it's interesting. Obviously, it's unbalanced, a little bit unbalanced, but obviously it's not it's not perfect given the uh, you know with the circumstances right now, it's not, nothing's perfect. So it is what it is for Inter Miami. It is what it is for the six teams in there. Um, and I mean, at, le- at least there will be some games again for them to play and a chance to compete and a chance to, to advance to the knockout round. So um, now, as for 
the first game that, that, that was the first part of your your question yeah uh, as you know you're covering uh, miami and i noticed yeah. your, your podcast also about them what was your first take on the group and yeah. how, how do you see uh how do you see inter basically um And, and since we're at it, I'm just going to ask you, uh, Gavin, my co-host, he couldn't make it. He's a huge Orlando fan. Um, <laughs> he does his own podcast uh, for the Lions. And his question basically was, and you can get to this later if you like, for for, for the tournament and for the groups that we're going to see, what do you think we're, we're going to see more, uh, we're, we're going to look for it more, quality or fitness? Um, you know, that, that can be later on uh, discussed. Sure. Um, so for the group overall, if we're going, if we're talking just Inter Miami uh, specific, mm -hmm. uh, just, so their schedule is Orlando City in the opener, and then play the Philadelphia Union, and then they then play the Chicago Fire. Those are the Inter Miami's three group stage games. I think the draw for for Inter Miami taking away the fact again that this is a 16 group and it's unbalanced. I think it's a decent draw. I think. That they can get six points out of the, five to six points, but six points should be the target for them out of those out of those three games. Orlando City, with all due respect to Orlando City fans and and your co-host, um, is is a team that's beatable. Obviously, they're going through transition with Oscar Pareja and trying to establish a new identity and a new culture and a new way of playing. That game is winnable for Inter Miami. Obviously, Inter Miami is going through its own process as well. They're, they're an expansion team, still also trying to establish their identity and their style of play. They're trying to gain chemistry because this is a, again a group of a group of new players that haven't played much together. They, they play two games and then obviously they got into this break, so haven't had much repetition together to, to build that chemistry that some other teams have. But just on paper, Inter Miami should have an opportunity against Orlando City. Philadelphia Union, much tougher task. Philadelphia comes. From years of playing together, that group of, of Philadelphia Union players, they've been under Jim Curtin's leadership for a while. I think that's a tougher ask, tougher test for Inter-Miami. And then against the Chicago Fire, I think that's another winnable game. Again, for similar circumstances to that of Orlando City, a team that's going through changes, head coaching change with Raf Wicke, um, and obviously brought in a bunch of new players as well to try to establish a new culture and a new identity that they hope leads to more success than they've had in recent years so i think those that first and that third game are definitely winnable ones for inter miami but like you just mentioned it all really depends on how these teams come out and adapt to the circumstances obviously they had and they haven't been playing much so from a fitness perspective how fit will the players be and this goes for across the board and and across the entire league and obviously from a from a soccer standpoint a football standpoint there will be rust you know they, they yeah. again, haven't played competitive games there's going to be rust so you know on paper we could say philadelphia union should beat inter miami because philadelphia union are probably one of the favorites in in group a but if the union players have you know accumulated quite a bit of rust during this downtime because of the coronavirus outbreak then you know that that kind of shifts the scales or balances the scales back you know it, a little more into Miami's favor again it just depends on how these teams come out who's who's where when when the tournament starts we'll we'll get answers fairly quickly i imagine once we see that first round of games we'll know hey look this team looks like the team we saw before the break or this team definitely doesn't look like the team we saw before the break so i, I think we'll get answers pretty pretty quickly once once the ball gets rolling on july 8th. 
Now, on my previous episode, I actually said the same thing you just said. A tournament like this benefits, uh, especially in your group, Philadelphia Union the most, and just basically repeating what you said. Um, they have the same squad, the same coach, the same system. They're mm-hmm. used to each other. They don't have to uh, find the chemistry. They don't have to find the game plan. They don't have to find the system of style of play. They already know each other, so it, it's to their benefit when it comes to a tournament like this. As to, like you mentioned, you guys... Uh, Miami is still a new team. Players st- still getting to know each other. Haven't really played that many games together. Uh, mm-hmm. The new coach still trying to implement a style. Same thing with Chicago Fire going through like a whole renovation. A new coach, new players, everything as well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely something that has to be taken into consideration, especially when you've only played two games to date at the start of the season because again there's no there's not enough time to develop that chemistry and understand the movements your 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 teammates want to make and the way you want to play and you know is this guy comfortable receiving the ball to this shoulder or that or on yeah. that foot uh, does he like it with to make the runs into space or does he like the, the ball to his feet a little bit more all those little subtle intricacies that soccer and football has that you, you know you don't necessarily notice on tv when you're watching but that make up the add up to make the biggest difference in in a team and in a game so it again it'll be very interesting to see who is where again the chemistry for for a lot of these teams especially in group a you you also can throw in nashville which is another expansion team that's in group a and trump oh and new york city fc who as a group have the roster has been intact for a while but they're also under under new coach so even they are also trying to establish their identity yeah. under him so it's it's going to be very interesting i think group a even though there's probably better matchups in other groups like that la versus la uh, derby that we're going to see uh in the in the last group there might be better matches on the whole but i think group a just because and also because it's unbalanced it's going to be very very interesting to see who's where and how it all plays out yeah and just like uh i mean orlando fans so they don't get mad oscar parejas is new as well so they have to implement a style yeah. as well um yeah. now let's talk about your defense because your defense does does concern me or uh, miami's defense uh roman torres everybody knows who he is in the mls he's a very physical player uh can lock down different uh, uh strikers uh the problem that i do have with him is so his pace he's mm-hmm. uh he, he doesn't have much pace and uh, I remember watching the DC United game, uh, him mm-hmm. getting a, the red card coming out, and in a tournament like this as well, you gotta have a cool head. And yeah. uh, does the defense in any way uh, concern you? You know, you cover them, um, or, or do you think that they, they should be said and it's, it's experienced enough to handle uh, a tournament like this? Yeah, so I, I'm glad you said you cover them. Because before you were saying you guys, I was like, man, people are gonna think I work for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rocking the inner Miami hat. Um, no, uh, so. I, I think so. Just to start with Roman Torres, um, obviously anybody that's followed him most for a little while probably knows about his trajectory, his track record, and what he's accomplished. He's an MLS Cup champion, and he he has plenty of experience. I do not, however, think. And this is let me just do this little parentheses on the side really quickly. I don't know if the red card from the DC United game carries over into the first match. I have to, I'd have to ask, because then, you know, that's obviously, uh, he'd obviously be out for that first game against Orlando City if that red card holds over into this tournament play from the regular season. Even if it didn't, I don't know if I would consider him a lock starter with this team anymore, just because of what we saw in that second game. Again, start of the seasons, and, you know, you don't want to make any 
rash judgments, but Inter Miami has talked about playing a style, a possession-based passing style. And I don't think Roman Torres can give you that. I don't even think he'd give you that when he was in his prime, I think. He's obviously a, a, a bruiser of a center back, not necessarily known for his for having nimble feet and being able to pass the ball exceptionally well, which is what the system kind of requires or, the, or the, the, the stated system that they want. So I don't know if, you know, after that second, because the go, uh, go, I've analyzed these first two Inter-Miami games as I do. I watch them, you know, obviously live, do my write-ups, do my, my reporting, and then afterwards I'll go back and watch them at least one more time just to better analyze the game. Because, you know, when you watch a game the first time, it's all fresh to the eyeballs. Everything's you also you also see and, and live through the emotions of the game. But when you watch it a second time, you already know what happens. You can just watch it and better analyze what's going on. And you're also it's you know if you're not working, you can also you don't have to have your your phone out, your laptop, and tweeting and all this. So taking notes and all that. So in that second game, that red card happens. It's a it's a result or it's a product of Roman Torres's poor passing. He tries to pass the ball upfield. He's the last man. He tries to pass the ball upfield as Inter Miami's trying to build out, and he passes it right to DC United. And then you know the ball comes back the other way. It bounces. He tries to get into the 50-50. It ricochets off his arm. Yeah. And he's sent off. So I don't know if he has the passing qualities that will allow him to be a full-time starter. Excuse me for Inter Miami. I think Andres Reyes, who you got to see some of in that game against DC United, and who looked pretty solid in that first game. He's a young Colombian center back. Obviously has a lot of room to grow. Can, is, is still kind of raw. But I think he has. he's quicker, he's faster, and he has that, again, that passing ability that Inter Miami is seeking. So I would not be surprised if Andres Reyes is paired next to Nico Figal in, in that defense and as opposed to Roman Torres. And if the defense can hold up, I think defensively, I think this team will will be more solid than they will be in the attack. Again, the attack still not still not quite there yet in terms of chemistry. Again, and again, not to say that on defense you don't need chemistry, but I think just the way Diego Alonso has built the team, I think defensively they're likely more likely to be sound than they are in the attack. Even in that DC United game, obviously the two goals that come about are in a span of a few minutes, one uh, off, off a free kick and then the other one off a penalty kick. Um, so I think the defense can be a strength of this team and, and, and they can scrap and they can fight as a unit. Obviously, Will Trap in front of that, that back four, who's a you know, long-time MLS player and, and, and a solid defensive midfielder in this league. So I think defensively they'll be okay. I think in the attack, not only do they still need to work on things, as, as you can see from the first two games, but they're also lacking a little bit of top-end talent there, which... Uh, sporting director, we can get to it later if you'd like. Sporting director Paul McDonough said last week he still wants to sign three players before the season's over. He wants to do it as soon as he can. He has to get the green light from MLS, but they're obviously in attacking positions. He said he wants a number nine DP, a striker, somebody else in an attacking position, and uh, sorry, yeah, somebody else in an attacking or wide position, and a, a central midfielder, number eight. Um, so that, those are three positions he's looking to address. So I think, again, the defense, I think, is pretty much set. I, I, I don't wouldn't be surprised if Andres Reyes steps in for Roman Torres. But again, I think that defense will be 
a, more of a strength than the attack. But we never know. You never know. It, it, maybe it ends up being the other way, and I look foolish and not at all like the Inter Miami expert that I uh, aspire to be. Now, uh, the last game that we saw, you know, uh, Inter Miami before this whole pandemic started, we had Riz, Luis Robles, Roman Torres, Reyes, Figal, uh, Nils, if I'm pronouncing his name right, N E A L I S. Dylan, Dylan um, Nils, yeah. Nils, yep. Ben, ben Sweat, Victor Ulua, Will Trap, Morgan, Pizarro, and Robinson. Mm-hmm. My guess is we're not going to see that same 11. Um. Because, um, I mean, fans, I've seen some some tweets, and fans are kind of excited. They want to see Pellegrini, Pizarro, and Carranza in the, in the field. So Pellegrini started that first game, um, and I don't think he was as involved as as they would have liked. And obviously he's a young player. He's got plenty of upside and plenty of qualities, but don't think they got enough out of him that they would have wanted, which is why he didn't start that second game. And I also think, and again, this is just my opinion. It's not any information. This is just me just making a, a supposition. I think that one of the reasons why Paul McDonough said, you know, one of the players we want to sign is a, is a wide player, I think it's because they don't see Pellegrini as being an every-game starter in this league yet. I think, again, they see talent. They see that that he's capable and he's got a lot of potential, but I don't think he's there yet. Because, again, and this is... Since we're talking just Inter-Miami, before this break, because of COVID-19, Paul McDonough, the sporting director, had said they wanted to sign a number nine and a central midfielder, a, a number eight. He never mentioned anything about the wing. Now that we've come back from the break, or we're on the verge of coming back from the break, he said we would also address, uh, a, you know, we could get a wide player. So if they're going to get a wide, another wide player, I, again, I would imagine... It would be for Pellegrini more than Lewis Morgan. Lewis Morgan is a more polished player. I also heard uh, McDonough also unrelatedly or maybe relatedly spoke about seeing more qualities out of Lewis Morgan in that second game. So I think, again, just right now, based on ability to help you win a game today, I think that they rate Lewis Morgan higher than Pellegrini. And I think if they do sign a winger, whether it's before the tournament or after the tournament, I think that winger, it'll be with the intention to have him replace Matias Pellegrini in the in the lineup or to give you that that wide threat from the left but again that's just me speculating I don't I don't have that as as concrete information so I don't I don't want anyone to think that's me reporting I just think that that, I just that's just what I my 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 uh my read on the situation uh, right now now I, I said on my previous episode that a tournament like this doesn't really help uh players develop and doesn't help uh, uh, players, you know, who probably are in their sophomore year um, in the MLS or still kids out of college, um, get more minutes. You have to have experience to perform in a tournament like this. Uh, you know, we have, you guys, uh, let's keep saying you guys, um, Miami so, has has Pizarro, has Roman Torres, uh, has other veterans as well. Um, who do you, uh, covering them, who do you feel like has to step up and maybe, you know, help Pizarro out? Because Pizarro is still new to the league and, and new to, to Miami. And, I mean, yeah, he has experience playing in Mexico, but it's a whole different tournament and a whole different league. Yeah, so Rodolfo Pizarro is obviously the face right now of of the squad. Um, and, obviously, he's got a lot of the, the burden, a lot of the responsibility to, to initiate the attacks and create and He's capable of doing that, but obviously he he won't. Like you said, he will need some help. 
He's not not a player that's going to do it all on his own. Uh, very few players in the, in the world are. Um, but for me, if Inter Miami is going to have a good tournament and is going to have a good showing, and let's say today's uh, June 16th, if Inter Miami is going to get out of the group and maybe make a run in the knockout rounds, they're going to need another goal scorer to step up. And usually it'll be the striker, right? Usually it'll be the number nine. I think it'll be either – it's going to be one of Robbie Robinson, Juan Aguidelo, or Julian Carranza that will be in that spot. So one of those three is going to have to step up and be a, a finisher, be a lethal finisher up top for Inter Miami. If chances come that that player's way, and they have to be finished. They can't, it can't be one of those circumstances where the striker, oh, you know, he – he hit the post, or he, you know, he he hit it just wide. It was close, and you know, you're like, oh, it was it was so close. No, like if Miami's going to get far in this tournament, if they're going to have any chance to even win it, as they've talked about, is a goal of theirs, then they need their striker to put the ball in the back of the net and give Rodolfo Pizarro some help because Pizarro can't do it all. He can he can help set up chances and he can score goals on himself, but he's not going to be able to do that every single game, especially once defenses start honing in on him even more so whoever the number nine is and again that reason i mentioned the date is because they haven't signed anybody they haven't been allowed to sign anyone yet if they can sign, if they sign someone from here till till then that's a different story but who, as of right now june 16th one of those three players that i named will have to step up and help pizarro with that attacking burden those attacking responsibilities now yeah i remember watching the this united game and I admitted it on the podcast here that, uh, for me, in my opinion, Miami outplayed DC um, mm-hmm. until, you know, the red card came in. And I remember just seeing that gap in the midfield for Inter-Miami and just seeing all of them just look for Pizarro on the field. And he was literally running side yeah. to side, trying yeah. to get the ball, trying to make something happen. But you can clearly tell that he needs uh, a striker up there who understands the same style of play that he wants to play or understands his mindset because he's a different he's a difference difference maker and yeah, with yeah, the ball he, he can create anything yeah he showed he showed a lot to me in that game he showed a lot of character a lot of uh chispa for, for you know lack of yeah. a better a better word in uh in english um just a lot of character he just he just looked he looked for the ball he showed a lot of attitude he was looking for the ball even when they went down he was trying to pick it up in different spots he Went, he dribbled down the left, down the right, and it wasn't in a, in a way where he was tactically naive or tactically negligent of his responsibilities, but he definitely got tried to get involved in any way he could to try to help Inter Miami, and he showed a lot of fight and a lot of character in that game, and that's a good thing. That's something that if Inter Miami can tap into even more during the group stage, they have a shot to, to get out, but again, they're going to need, like you said, someone else to help him out, and they're going to need another partner Hey, you know, if the number nine isn't isn't ready to 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 be that lethal scorer for them, whoever it is in, during the tournament, then you know if Lewis Morgan or or Matias Pellegrini can can help pinch in here with a couple goals, and that can help alleviate some of that responsibility and some of that burden. Because again, Pizarro can can do a lot, but he's not going to be able to do it all every single game. They're they're going to need somebody else in the attack to to pick it up. Now, uh, my co-host, my other co-host, Manny. Uh, wanted to ask uh, you covering uh, Inter Miami, mm-hmm. what can the fans expect if he starts um, Carranza, like a full healthy Carranza? Okay, so yeah, so yeah, so I haven't gotten to see much of him. Obviously, he got injured early in preseason, 
and then he didn't play the first two games. He he recovered and got back to 100% health during this during this pandemic during this break because of the pandemic. Um, so I haven't gotten to see enough of him up close to really give you a, an honest, mm-hmm. fair like my like assessment. But from what I've heard and talked to other people is that he's quick. He's definitely an aggressive player. Likes to attack towards the goal and, and take players on. Um, again, obviously he's a young player, so there's still a lot of he's still very green and a lot of room to grow. Be it as a finisher, be it as a decision maker in, in the final third, be it with his movement off the ball. So this, from what I've heard, he's got a lot of potential. There, the Inter Miami is high on him, but again, I haven't seen enough of him to to give you more of an evaluation, unfortunately. All right. Um, now you have covered uh, Miami now for since uh, seeing them in the training, seeing the two games. Mm-hmm. What style of play do you think Alonso wants to set? Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, you know? For I, I used to watch Liga MX a lot. I was a huge uh, Aguilas del América fan. Okay. Um, and then you know MLS just took over, and I'm like, I freaking watch MLS like if it was a religion. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember he seeing him in Monterrey. And his style of play was very offensive, uh, very offensive style of play. Do you think he wants to implement that w- with Miami? So it's it's you know just interesting that you that you bring it up because he he and the club and the players in the first in the lead up to the first two games of the season there was a lot of talk about being like I like I mentioned earlier a possession based keep the ball on the ground style of play. That's what they talked about implementing and, and creating, and we saw some of that in preseason. We saw some of that in the first game against LAFC. But then in the second game against DC United, they played much more direct. And, and and I agree with you in your assessment that in the DC United game, they were the more dangerous team. But when again, when I went to go back and watch it a second time, I noticed a much more direct team. And I think in Miami, I remember writing this, in the first half, even if they looked more dangerous and were more threatening and had more scoring chances they were out possessed 66 to 34 or 64 to 36 something something along those lines by dc united just dc united had the ball more they just didn't create much danger with it or they didn't generate much danger and i asked lewis morgan in the the week following right before i think it was one of the last interviews we did with players before the, the suspension of the league I asked him, you know, you guys played much more direct and, you know, you guys have talked about being a, a, a team that wants to play possession. And he said that that was intentional. Tactically, that was intentional, that they wanted to play that way. Those were the instructions. So I asked Diego Alonso about that last week on a conference call. And he said that as a coach and as a team, you want to be able to dictate and dominate play in all aspects, including, you know, sitting back a little bit and and, and defending on the ca- and hitting on the counterattack and also dictating the tempo with the ball and through possession and through build, generating chances that way. So in terms of it's a long-winded <laughs> way of, of saying I think we're going to see a team that tries to play both ways depending on the circumstances. I don't think you're going to see one set style. Even though during preseason they only talked about building a possession-based team that that you know knocks the ball around on the ground and keeps it on the ground. I think you could see them also go direct and play on the counterattack if the circumstance circumstances allow. I don't think they're going to necessarily just be one way only, just based off of what I've seen. And then again, what up, what up, what Diego Alonso said last week. 
Now, uh, Gavin's uh, final question. Um, the group that I mentioned to you uh, and to the listeners, in case uh, you guys missed it, Orlando, Miami, New York City FC, the Union, Philadelphia Union, Chicago, and Nashville. Who do you see moving on in that group? So uh, this is where it gets a little tricky because obviously, <laughs> obviously it's a six-team group, and we don't know how that – I don't think I've ever seen that before, so I don't know how, how that, that affects – It's going to work out. The percent, right, the percentages of, of who can advance and who, who can't. Um, let's say three teams advance. Let's just go with that um, because obviously there's the, the two the two top two finishers of each group plus the four best third-place finishers advance to the knockout rounds. So let's let's just go with three for, for conversation's sake. I would say the Philadelphia Union. I would say New York City FC. Just because they have almost the same squad? I think or, because they have, and, and because they are they, not only do they have returning rosters, mm-hmm. but because they were both playoff teams last year and they both have good good talent on their teams, established roles and uh, uh, players that know how to make a difference. Like Heber on New York City FC, their striker is one of the best strikers in the league. He, oh, he's a beast. Yeah, so it, I, I think obviously goal scoring goes a, a big way. In these tournaments, the Philadelphia Union don't necessarily have that dangerous, as dangerous of a component for a striker, but they do have a, a solid set de- de- defense. Andre Blake in goal as well, that can help you win games narrowly. So I would say those two, not not, not just because of the the chemistry, the established chemistry that the players might have, but um, also again because of the the talent that they do have on on their rosters. And then it, honestly, man, it's between Inter Miami or Orlando. I mean, the the, the the third spot, the third place. Is really up for grabs. It's just who can adapt to the circumstances in in the best way. Like for me, like Orlando City and Nashville, I mean even Chicago. See, it's it's tough. Like Inter Miami on paper, Inter Miami on paper is probably a little more talented than the other three. But again, just with and and they've been tra- and they've been training just as long as Orlando City, or if not longer, because I think Orlando City started full team training after Inter Miami did. But again, like that, that third that that third place spot would be up for me in my opinion is up for grabs. Whichever of those four teams can can show up or can minimize the damage against the other two, but or, or however the, the, the three games play out for each team, I think whoever whoever does or finds the way to pull off any of their upset or a good like a one good goal, one good win. Yep. There, that that team will, will go will be the third place team and that team will go through. Again, not every team plays each other, so you know you, you could have technically third and fourth finish on the same amount of points. Someone has a better goal differential and they didn't even play each other, and boom, three three goes in over four, and then it's like you know number four is going to feel hard done by. But that's you know that's just the luck of the draw, or in MLS's case, the handpick uh, <laughs> scenario. Because obviously Miami and Orlando got got just paired in Group A just because. No, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Gavin and I were talking, and we agreed that we don't think the uh, Orlando Miami game is gonna end in a zero zero. Uh, we really think there's gonna be a couple of goals in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's bragging rights. Somebody has to win, otherwise the fans are not gonna be happy. Yeah, I, I could easily see a zero zero game just because it's the first back <laughs> and everyone. That's just, true. It's hot and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be. In, well, we don't know if it's gonna be in the morning yet or in the evening. We don't know what time slot they put that game on, but um it'll be humid most likely so it, it might be a whole a, a slog of, of a game and 
you never I could definitely see it being zero zero and, and MLS being like, well darn that backfired <laughs> we weren't hoping for that for our for our tournament opener with all these eyeballs on here. But oh, yeah. it could very well also be a game that has plenty of goals that defensively both teams just aren't aren't there yet just because of fitness or whatever in the last ten minutes, you know, you can lose focus. When you when when your legs start to go, the the brain and the decision making also starts to go a little bit. So I, it could be either way. Again, there's so many variables, and so oh, yeah. I mean that's that's one of the reasons I think. And on top of the just the format, the the World Cup style format, unbalanced group aside, being a fascinating competition, I think because you throw in this this added wrinkle that you're coming back from a prolonged period of inactivity, I think that also makes it even more interesting in terms of how our team's going to show up, who's going to be where, you know, are expected starters going to be able to to play from the from the first whistle, or are they going to be saved for for the second half because they're not just they're not quite there yet. A lot of little things, a lot of things that will add up in this tournament that will make for compelling storylines and interesting viewings. And also just, again, just like overall for the games, I think it's going to be very interesting to, to watch and see how, how it all plays out in terms of a soccer standpoint. Now, uh, my my final question to you, uh, this is just a, a personal one for you. How excited are you for the tournament? Do you like the tournament format? Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I tweeted this out well, uh, last week right before the draw uh, at Franco Panizo. I'll do a, a shameless plug. Um I tweeted out, and I'm usually, if anyone that's followed me over the years knows that I am critical of MLS when, you know, when I feel it's appropriate to be critical of MLS, which can be often just because of how they do things. Like, for instance, just 90 minutes before the draw, deciding that, hey, we're going to announce right now that Inter Miami is in Orlando. <laughs> that was, and that, that and was that crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm definitely not one to shy away from criticizing the league and its decision making and its and a- any aspect of it. But again, I I like this tournament idea. I really like this tournament idea. Not only because of again the competition format. Again, take out that obviously that unbalanced group kind of leaves you with a sour taste in the mouth just from a, a balanced perspective. But I think overall, I really do like the idea of it. I think every game means something which is not something like they say that they say that they hit you with that pr line and that marketing speech during the regular season but that's not true not every game matters in during the regular season and team and you see it with teams because teams if they have Concacaf champions league or they have whatever on the weekend sometimes they rotate their starting groups out and put in mixed squads for a regular season game and they take it with a different level of seriousness because they know there's a lot of room for error over the course of a 34 or yeah 34 game regular season that leads to playoffs and there's so many playoff spots in major league soccer so there's so much room for error that not every game means all everything in this tournament every game will matter every game is important because you only get three games to try to get out of the group stage and you need to pick up as many points as you can in those three games to get out of the group stage. So I think we're going to see, again, Not it might not be the best from a soccer standpoint, but just from the structure and a competitive standpoint, I think you're going to see a very fascinating 
competition. I think it's going to bring another level of intensity because of what it means. And it means it means every play mat every play matters more. Every game's going to matter more. I think I think I would not be surprised if you see plenty of chippiness and heat and uh, a lot of a lot of heated exchanges, excuse me, um, over the course of the entire tournament because these games m- will have more significance and they also count for the regular season. The, well, at least the group stage games do. So that also comes comes uh, as a, as an added element to it. I really like the the idea of the tournament. If they could find a way to once they add more teams to make it more balanced, where every team plays the same amount of games against each opponent in the group. And they could make that biannually or, I mean, I don't know if they could do it annually, but if they could find a way to make it a more frequent occurrence, I think this is a very, very interesting idea for them to, to explore. I think it's better than, you know, the, the Campeones Cup yeah. or, or the League's Cup that they've filled some of the schedule with during the course of the year. Those those tournaments, they don't really, you know, even even talking to coaches and general managers behind the scenes. Well, it, they they offer prizes and different rewards for winning them. It's just it's just it happens in the middle of the season. It takes away from from the MLS regular season, and and they, you know teams some teams don't really like it or don't really want to be a part of that. Um, they want to focus more on the regular season. Now again, I don't I don't know if you could smack this in the middle of a regular MLS regular season in the future, or if you you know you break into two different campaigns like they do in Liga MX or in other parts of of the world, like, you know, South America, plenty of leagues do that where they have Apertura and a Clausura. And then you maybe could have a tournament like this in the middle, or if you do it at the end of the season, I don't, I don't know. But I think if they can find a way to make it happen more than just this, this summer, I think it will generate more interest, which is something MLS is been, has been looking for and is still looking for. They want more eyeballs. They want more people to yeah. talk about the league and, you know, to, to tap into the to the soccer and the football and 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 everything that the the league has to offer. So I think I think it's a great idea. I think again, if they can find a way to make it happen in the future, that that would be a, a big big plus because I, I think the balance and the competition and the intensity that it'll bring is all going to make for a, a great spectacle. No, yeah, I think what you're saying is right. Maybe they should look into it because the Campeones Cup and all that um, is really not that big of a deal, in my opinion. Uh, some fans probably have a different opinion. Maybe more like a March Madness type of style thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I think if you ask, like, you know, random MLS fan, not saying diehard, but just random MLS fan that watches somewhat frequently, hey, who won last year's Campeones Cup? I don't think the majority of the, of those fans could tell you. I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think Inter. I don't like just. And again, I'm, I might be speaking for Inter Miami's fans here, but I don't think if you ask them, the majority of them, hey, who won last year's Campeones Cup? I don't think they would know. <laughs> I don't think people like. I don't think people. Like, people like if unless your team's competing in it, like, what is the incentive to watch? Like, yeah. just to watch more soccer. There's so much soccer on on TV in the United States that like, is that really where people are gonna put their attention on these? these generated tournaments in the middle of an MLS regular season that are even, you know, more confusing to, to the general public. Like, why is there another tournament going on during the regular, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think people really care unless it's their team that's, that's competing or making a run or, or in the final. You know what, Franco, you convinced me. Let's do this every year. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, if they, if they can find a way to make it happen, like, 
I'm uh, I'd be I'd be definitely into into watching it because I I guess I I keep reiterating and repeating, but I think it's going to be a heck of a spectacle, man. I think again the soccer might not be there, it might not be up to par, and that's something that could be considered for the future iterations where the soccer level should should be better because you won't be coming off this long break. But yeah, I think the I think the spectacle and the competition will be something different in MLS than what people are used to just because of everything matters so much more. Yeah, Franco, I, I really, really do appreciate your insight, your time, and uh, everything that you told us. Our, my followers, if they want to find you, if they want to follow you, if they want to read your stuff, where can they go and, and find you? Yeah, so on Twitter, um, I, you know, where I, where I pr- provide some news and updates and analysis in condensed format um, is at Franco Penizo, just my first name, my last name. Uh, uh, my my articles where I do my ana- more thorough analysis and breakdowns and some breaking news and some reporting and some you know features and all that that you can find at sbisoccer.com and then again if you want to if you're more of a of a of a viewer that wants to see something with the eyes as opposed to maybe read or you want to hear something I've I've created a podcast and a YouTube channel both under the same name at Miami Total Football football or at Miami Total Football in Spanish spelled the exact same way but football obviously with the with in the Spanish lettering F-U-T-B-O-L Miami Total Football so I'm all over the place now man I, I came back to <laughs> I, came, I came back home and I was like man I gotta I gotta do everything I can here I gotta like do the writing do the do the the video and do do some podcasting so um yeah man it's, it's been fun uh and I'm excited to see what what the next month brings Franco, man, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck working your butt off. Uh, take uh, some Gatorade to take a break every now and then. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> Don't sure. Don't kill yourself. Yeah, especially in the South Florida heat and humidity, man. This is it's wild. And Orlando is going to be uh, it's going to be also just as intense. I'm sure it's it's a lot lot stickier up there, but uh, or just as stickier up there rather. But um, yeah, man. No, I appreciate you having me on. It was good fun to just talk talk soccer. I didn't even feel like I was being interviewed, man. I was just felt like <laughs> just felt like I was talking soccer with with a friend. So um, awesome. appreciate I, I appreciate it, man. you having me on. I'll be back anytime you'd like. If if you want me back on, maybe I uh, I don't quali- I don't qualify for the knockout rounds of uh, <laughs> of the podcast host uh, guests, but. Uh, no, man, hey, thanks so much for having me on, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, okay? Thank you, Franco. Have fun doing your, your job at the tournament. Thanks, brother.